Bring it in. Read option back a little bit earlier than you're used to. I said on the last episode, I am going out of town. So we're recording this Wednesday evening uh, before I head out of town for uh, for the weekend. Just really nailed the timing of these weddings <laughs> and how great some of these football games were. I missed the, uh, the, the Tennessee and Alabama game. I missed a bunch of awesome games. But nonetheless, that's okay. It happens. Uh, Excited for college football this weekend, excited for the NFL this weekend, and nobody I enjoy breaking it down with more than my boy, Scotty. How are you doing, bud? I'm good. Big weekend in college football. Plus, USA got a huge win against Iran. I mean, Christian Pulisic just laying his body on the line. Do we Uh, think? An absolutely massive uh, 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 play by him. Well, yeah, uh, of which he got kicked into, but uh, yeah. Scored a goal with his dong. Nicely done. Do we think it was? Because when I saw it, it looked like knee to knee. But the fact that he's playing on Saturday makes me believe that it it was just he got smashed in in the freaking groin. Well, it looked like an an American football hit. That's what it looked like. Is is if two guys were were playing American football and hit each other without pats. That's really all it looked like to me. He sold out for that. Like went all out. Yeah. I fucking. I love Pulisic, man. He, yeah. he was going full speed. It was a nasty collision. I love uh, that team. I mean, Pulisic's great. Don't get me wrong. I, I just love the 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 midfield in particular has played well. I know we're not a soccer podcast, but I love Yunus Musa. I love uh, McKinney, uh, who plays in, in the Italian league for for one of my hated teams. But uh, I love Weston McKinney, Tim Weah, all those guys, man. They, uh, this is a great crop. And I, and I was talking with one of my coworkers today about how you know, in previous World Cups, it's been, oh, we have this tight window where we have Clint Dempsey and uh, before that, Linda Donovan and like stars that made the team better. This to me doesn't feel like a window. This to me feels like we're actually starting to get some real development in U.S. soccer uh, at, at youth levels and and beyond. So uh, hopefully that sticks. And uh, hey, we, we beat the Netherlands. Australia won today. We got a 50-50 shot here of getting a good matchup to get us into the round of eight. Yeah, I did, the game was absolutely electric. Like, it was freaking awesome to have. Oh, the nine minutes of stoppage in the second half felt like nine hours. Well, and the fact <laughs> that the whistles didn't blow for the first, like, 25 minutes of the game was crazy. Like, I think mm-hmm. there was one stoppage for the, fir- stoppage for the first 25 minutes. Uh, I know very little about soccer. I know enough to be able to at least have some sort of, you know, idea of what's going on and i understand how the premier league and how all the european leagues work and international play and i love the world cup whenever it comes around uh in terms of it's just awesome like and i will say look look the whole qatar cutter thing not great not a good look overall we know why it's there um but having these games on at like 10 o'clock in the morning and like smack in the afternoon during the week is like kind of awesome like it's kind of great to just turn on the tv and watch a little bit of international soccer. Yeah. Uh, it, it really is. It's, it's been fun to follow. Um, and, and I'm excited to, to see, you know, how far the U S team can go, but you, you hit it on the head there though. Like we're the second youngest team in the world cup. Is that correct? And right now, uh, we yeah. Have, only Ghana. Yeah. Yeah. Is younger. Right. And so right <laughs> now we have all, we're already into the groups or out of the group stage into the knockout stage. And it's a team full of like, young 20 somethings who are getting valuable experience. 
and they've played phenomenal defense. They haven't given up like a regulation goal yet. The only goal that they gave up was on the penalty kick. So and even and, that shouldn't have been allowed. It was yeah, BS. But yeah, and they mm-hmm. drew England, who's a really really good team full of elite level players. So who knows, man? A, cut, a win here, win there, and and Pulisic will be what like almost thirty by the next World Cup. So he'll mm-hmm. be in he'll at be home. In, he'll be at his prime at home, like. Uh, I don't know. I'm excited about the future of uh, of men's soccer. That's uh, that's for sure. Uh, but yeah, so Saturday is going to be an epic day. I think it's 10 a.m. is the USA game. And then you have conference championships just lined up all day. Uh, it's basically from 10 a.m. until you go to bed. You're going to have significant uh, football. Of the timing could not be more perfect because the first uh, football championship games at noon, I believe. So it once is. the U.S. game is over, it's going to be right into the into right the into conference football conference then, championship games. Oh, it's I, I it's going to be love an it. epic. It's going to be an epic weekend. I really thank hope. God I already decorated my house because I do not want to sit there this weekend and do it because yeah. this Saturday is going to be wall to wall on yeah. TV. I'm pretty I'm pretty bummed. I'm going to be missing uh, all of it. So. <laughs> But oh, sorry, you know, buddy. it's what it's what happens, man. It's what happens. What a shame you're going to, to Knoxville, who was so close to getting to the SEC championship game. That would have well, been electric. And if they had just beaten South Carolina, they would be in the running mm-hmm. to make the college football playoff right now. No question. With their resume and the wins that they have, absolutely. Tennessee could have been. I mean, think about that. If Tennessee just handled South Carolina. I mean, obviously, Hendon Hooker getting knocked out like. It's an alternate world with none of that happens, but Tennessee probably is ranked ahead of Ohio state and is definitely ranked ahead of Alabama. Alabama. Yeah. So they're at least five or six. So there's a really good chance that if Tennessee just beats South Carolina and Hendon hooker doesn't get hurt, that they're staring down a chance. If USC or TCU were to fall. Um, But I am also, we'll get into the college stuff at the end of the pod. We're going to make our, our picks against the spread for all of the conference championships, but then we're also going to make our picks for the college football playoff uh, as well. So stay tuned for that. Uh, that being said, though, in addition to an awesome Saturday, Sunday is shaping up to be another awesome, awesome day. Uh, I am really excited for these uh, this Sunday slate of games. Until you hit the, the Sunday night game, I mean, Colts-Cowboys, that shouldn't be Sunday night. When you have Chiefs-Bengals, you have San Francisco and Miami, and you have the Eagles and Tennessee playing. One of those Six. three games should have been flexed in, but the fucking Cowboys, man, they just refuse to ever move them from Sunday night. It's unbelievable. Six teams with that are either in first place outright or have a share of first place playing against each other, and neither of them is primetime. That's that's a, a goddamn shame is what a, that yeah. is. It's a shame. It, sh- it should not be that way at all, and with how bad <clears> – <throat> Indy looked on Monday night. Uh, I, I think it's a big missed opportunity. Uh, those timeouts uh, don't carry over, Jeff Saturday. Just so you know. Just so we know. Me. Yeah, I, I, I you well, know, he's well, he's still new. He's still new to the whole coaching thing. He's got to learn to figure that out. But yeah, instead of any good, you know, uh, you know, prime time games, we're left with what should be a really, really entertaining uh, Sunday afternoon slate of games. So I'm excited for that uh you want to jump in because the thursday night game looks pretty is going to be pretty interesting too i think Uh, so yeah buffalo at new england buffalo right now is a three and a half point favorite on the road uh in foxborough this is a weird game only because i 
don't like Buffalo's still really good. Like they keep winning a ton of games. They're still obviously immensely talented with one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, one of the best wide receivers, a really good defense, but they've gotten banged out throughout the season and they've kept a lot of Buffalo's games have just been weird. They've just been weird finishes. They've been tight games towards the end, right? The game against uh, uh, Miami earlier in the year, right? And then the game against Minnesota. It's just even this, even on Thanksgiving when they played Detroit, it's just a really weird team that's finding ways to win most of these close games. Yeah. Uh, and they're going up against a, a team in, in the Patriots where you have to be on your A game. You know, what the Pats do is nothing crazy fancy, but they do their job so well. That's been the Belichick model for years. I heard Ryan Fitzpatrick talking about that on Ryan Rossello's podcast this week, right? Talking about a couple of Ryans cutting it up. Yeah, right. One with an E, one with an A. Uh, but Fitzpatrick was talking about, he's like, the defense schematically is not, it's nothing genius. Like, you know exactly what they're doing. It's the one of the easiest to quote unquote figure out but they do their job so well and they execute so well that it doesn't really matter if, if you know what they're doing. They still tend to beat you more often than not. And now Buffalo is going to have to play a really good game. They're going to have to play in a tough environment. And typically when you play on Thursday, you're like, Oh, well you get the mini bye week. Not so fast, Buffalo. You're coming in, you play one Thursday and then you're playing the next Thursday. Uh, so it's like a regular work week for them and whether or not they were able to take some time off for the holidays or whatnot. I don't know. I'm really curious to see how this game pulls out. Where are you leaning right now, Buffalo at New England? Yeah, the Patriots also had the Thursday game, so they're both coming off of uh, True. Uh, or going into back-to-back Thursdays. But uh, I'd be interested to see uh, how the Patriots come out offensively because they kind of gave Mac Jones the keys a little bit there uh, in the last game against the Vikings. Let him th- he was over 300 yards. Uh, had, a, had a really good, really efficient game, too. So uh, if they can can work the passing game like that and exploit some of what uh, what Buffalo's secondary's deficiencies are, uh, and, and most of them are, are injury-ridden, believe that. It's, it's not a talent thing, uh, necessarily. It's just the fact that there's a, a ton of, or a lack of depth and, uh, and inexperience back there, either that or age, uh, right, in the, in the case of Jordan Boyer. So... Um, I I'm going to, I think this is close and and I think it does uh, end up too for, for the bills offense. Uh, you know, we talk about over the past couple of weeks, how it continues to be. Uh, it's hard when you're just leaning on Josh Allen, but then you look at a game like this and you're like, well, you should probably just lean on Josh Allen to win you the game. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so uh, to me, I think, uh, I think he gets it done. I think you're going to be able to pass the ball pretty effectively uh against the the Patriots secondary uh which is improved but uh when you have Stefan Diggs and Isaiah McKenzie who who can he step up and have a second good week in a row um Gabe Davis is always out there Dawson Knox is always a weapon so uh you're not going to get a whole lot in the run game anyway uh but I think if you can pass effectively and uh and use Josh Allen's legs uh as you normally have this is a a division win that you need to pick up and I think that they do uh, cover the four points. So I'm going to go Bills. And uh, on top of that, speaking of legs, uh, I'm going to go. I'm coming in hot with my prop pick already. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to take Josh Allen's over on rushing yards with 41 and a half. Uh, look, it, it's his high passing yards are down 10 uh, this season. So uh, a lot of that's due to the elbow issues. He's relying a lot more on his legs. Uh, I think he's going to get it done on the ground against this Patriots offense. The uh, 
the the 41 and a half uh, number is actually a three-week low for him. So uh, I'd go hammer that over uh, with him. I think he's going to be uh, well above that. All right. Uh, I'm taking Buffalo as well. I think Buffalo's clearly the better team. Uh, and the other thing, too, is this team always seems to show out well in night games in prime time. This is a big game for them. They know it. Uh, they can say that, hey, you know, this Patriots team isn't the same one that haunted Buffalo for years, but it's still Belichick, right? And you kind of know that you have this team where you want them, where you are the superior team officially. It's been a couple of years now of that. If they're going to go and make this run and, and, and be one of those elite teams, this is one of the quote-unquote boogeymen that they kind of have to get over. And I think yeah. that they do it. I think they win this game. I think it's by touchdown. I don't think it's a huge blowout. Maybe New England tries to get it close at the end. But I think Buffalo gets the job done, covers the three and a half. Uh, all right, let's move on to the Sunday games. Up first, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers traveling to Atlanta. The Steelers' offense looks like it's starting to move a little bit. Kenny Pickett's getting more comfortable. Uh, I mean, we saw that that Colts defense play well against Philly the week before. Uh, and then Monday night, Kenny Pickett had a really, really solid game, and he's getting better and better as a rookie. Uh, they're playing the Atlanta Falcons, who are coming off back-to-back tough games. And uh, right now, the Steelers are a one-point favorite on the road. Uh, this is essentially a, a pick em, and I'm taking the Falcons. The Falcons have been so close. They easily, easily could be 7-5 and five right now. They've been the amount of one score weird finishes that Atlanta's had this year is pretty crazy because in my mind, they still should be the best team. I think they are the best team in the NFC South. I think they're better than Tampa Bay and Atlanta, uh, the way they can run the ball. I mean, look, obviously TJ Watt's going to be a problem, but you have the mobile quarterback, you have a solid running game. You'll be able to hopefully run away from them uh, and, and put your offensive lineman in a situation to be successful, right? Instead of, you know, look at what Cincinnati did when they played T.J. Watt in week one, right? They dropped back and tried to throw it 50 times. But when you do that against T.J. Watt, he's going to end up making big plays down the stretch to knock you out, right? And if you keep your offensive linemen forward-facing, hands in the dirt, run game, let them push and, and be the aggressor, I think that's a good way to mi- minimize the effect that some of these elite pass rushers have. Uh, plus, we know Atlanta's going to do that anyway. So uh, I-, I like – the Falcons here, home dog, one point, just need them to win. I'm taking the Falcons. Yeah, the problem is that the success, a lot of the success of the the Falcons running game is not only just been Cordero Patterson. A lot of that's opened up because of the RPO game that they play off of uh, with Marcus Mariota as well. When you have two really adept defensive ends, uh, Ogunjobi's questionable, but you've got TJ Watt on uh, on the, the outside. You've got Cam Hayward. Uh, as well, and, and Devin Bush playing out there too. So uh, that's going to spell trouble for the RPO game uh, for for the Falcons. I don't think they're going to be able to get to run the ball. And on the other side for offense, not only do you have Kenny Pickett, who's who's played well over the past couple of games, especially this past week against the Colts, but uh, you, you're you're going to be able to run all over this team. This Atlanta Falcons team is an absolute sieve in the run game. Uh, I, I, I don't have their DVA DVOA stats in front of me, but, uh, they're one of the worst teams against the rush so far, uh, this season, uh, on top of that, the Steelers are, um, the Falcons are, are one and five in their last six. They're on a bit of a cold stretch, uh, against the spread here. So I'm going to take the Steelers. Uh, look, the Steelers won't have Najee Harris, but they do have, uh, they do have Jalen Warren and, uh, and Benny Snell who came in and ran really effectively last week, uh, against a pretty good defensive line in the Colts. 
Uh, and I think uh, both of those guys, uh, whether whether Jalen Warren's in or not, he's questionable with a hamstring still. Uh, but I, either one or both of those guys are going to be able to run all over the Falcons. All right. Scotty's on Pittsburgh. Next up here, uh, the Packers versus the Bears. Aaron Rodgers came out this week, said he would be playing in this game. Still no word on Justin Fields. We're recording recording earlier in the week, so that does make it more difficult on us. Um, Packers are four-and-a-half-point favorite, and, and I'll say this. It does seem like some of the offensive stuff for the Packers has been figured out. Uh, they're going to be able to run the ball against this bad Bears defense. They're going to be able to – Christian Watson has come into his own. I mean, what does he have, six touchdowns in the last four games? Um, he, I talk about a rookie wide receiver, ex, super explosive, uh, who's really come on here. He's playing really, really good football. So whether it's Jordan Love or it's Rodgers, I just think the Packers are the better team. And if it's Trevor Simeon going out already, I'd rather take the bet that Justin Fields isn't going to play. And Because even if Justin Fields does play, I don't think the line would be that dissimilar. Uh, I think it'll be more high-scoring game, but I think the Packers still would have a good chance to cover in that game anyway. So I'm going to take the Packers minus – Four and a half against the Chicago Bears, presumably knowing that they're going up against Trevor Simeon uh, and Rodgers should be back uh, and they they can run the ball. If they can if they could run the ball against the Eagles, they can run the ball against the Bears. So, yeah, uh, but I, like I think the, the I think the Bears will be able to run the ball, too. Uh, I think it's going to be closer than uh, than people think. I, I do think the Packers cover. I'm going to take them uh, just I, the only reason to me there. Rodgers is starting is because it's the Bears game and he just wants to continue ownage at this point you have to recognize what you are after that loss to the Eagles. Right. And, and now you gotta, you gotta start uh, thinking about the future a little bit. Uh, look, I know Aaron Rodgers is a competitor. Nobody wants to lose in the NFL, but that's the reality of the business. Uh, but they, the Packers dominate this matchup. I think there's something like 27, uh, 23 and seven against the spread in their last 30 meetings. A lot of that has to do uh, with Aaron Rodgers, but uh I, this is one I, I I'd look to for the over if I didn't take my prop bet already. The Packers are nine and one on the over uh, in the last ten games after they scored more than thirty points, uh, which they did last week against a tough defense in Philadelphia. But uh, but I, I, I'm with you. I think the Packers are going to be able to throw the ball effectively, run the ball effectively, and uh, the Bears probably won't have a ton of answers on offense with Trevor Simeon uh, running a quarterback. All right, uh, let's move on now. Jacksonville at Detroit. Uh, the Jags coming off a big win. The Lions coming off of a damn close win uh, or loss, I should say, but it came damn close to winning. Uh, the Jags are a one-point favorite on the road here in Detroit. Detroit's been two two and four at home this year. The Jags are one and four on the road. Uh, ETN's a little banged up, though they expect him to be able to go. I want to see if Trevor Lawrence can build off of what we saw from last week, right? Like, hey, the comeback – the fourth quarter drive, it was amazing. He played such high-level football. He executed brilliantly. He won that game for them. Trevor Lawrence was the reason they won that game. But can he continue it? Can you take that momentum and go into a game against a team that's very beatable uh, with, with, you would say, maybe not the best defense in the world who's going to try to score for you? I mean, the over-under in this game is at 51-and-a-half. Vegas is expecting a lot of offense, a lot of points to be scored in this game. I really want to see if, if Trevor Lawrence can take that. So it doesn't feel like it's just an aberration, right? It's not just, a, oh, Trevor Lawrence had his moment and he goes away. I want to see if Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence and Christian Kirk and that whole offense can keep going what they already had up. And But the, I guess part of the problem with that too is how much of a letdown do they have after a big win, right? And the, and the Lions who just come off of this heartbreaking 
loss that they could have and should have arguably beaten Buffalo. And now they're stuck in a spot where it's like, well, shit, right? How, how it happened to us again. We lost another heartbreaker on Thanksgiving, right? In front of a, a, a national audience. How do we rectify this? How do we fix it? Um, or do they come out flat, right? Is this like that, not final nail in the coffin, but is this just another nail in the tire that's deflating the tire slowly throughout the rest of the season? And that's why to me, this game is a pick em. Like that's how I see it. So it's just, which team do you like? I've loved rooting for the Lions all year. I've liked rooting for Trevor Lawrence. I'm going to take the Jags. The Jags did a really good job of stopping the run of Baltimore, which is basically all Baltimore wants to do. We know the Lions are one of the best running teams in the NFL. We know that offensive line is really good. And Jacksonville is going to sell out against it, and they're going to make Jared Goff beat them, which he's absolutely capable of doing with those wide receivers, at least DJ Shark and Amon Ross St. Brown. But I like Jacksonville. I think they build on the momentum, and I think they come out with another win. Uh, I had a question mark in this uh, little BTS <laughs> behind the scenes. Uh, I keep a tracker of all our picks against the spread here uh, on a spreadsheet. And I just had like six question marks in the in the cell for that spreadsheet. Uh, because this truly is to me, you're right, Jeff. It's a pick them, right? It, these are two very, uh, I think, similar teams. Uh, maybe not in terms of trajectory, but in terms of how they've built uh, what they've gotten this year. Uh, superstar wide receiver. Uh or not, maybe not superstar yet for uh, for um, for Jacksonville. I mean, they have Christian Kirk, who's who's a mid tier or second tier receiver, uh, probably, but uh, good running game, uh, effective running game, especially catching the ball out of the backfield uh, for both teams. Uh, quarterbacks who've overplayed uh, this season in in Trevor Lawrence and and Jared Goff in particular. Uh, so. And then on the defensive side of the ball, both have their ineptitudes. So um, I think it's truly a pick them. Uh, I'm going to go with the Lions. They're 3-0-1 uh, against the spread uh, as, a, as a home dog here. So I'm going to take the Lions. All right. Scotty's on Detroit. I'm on Jacksonville. Let's move on now. Tennessee at Philly, the first of the really high marquee games. Uh, two first-place teams going at it. Interconference here. This is a fascinating matchup, and as an Eagles fan, this is one of the games I'm most worried about. The Eagles are a five-and-a-half-point favorite right now, and part of that, I understand, right? The Jalen Hurts is playing as good as anybody. Uh, A.J. Brown's having a career year. We we know how good the offensive line is. There's all this stuff to love about this Philly team right now, uh, but they're going up against a really, really good defense. Uh, the matchup between Jeffrey Simmons and Jason Kelsey in the trenches is going to be a ton of fun to watch. Uh, obviously, the the back end, guys like Kevin Byard and, and, and this wide receiver group is going to be big. This is a game where I would have loved if Dallas Goddard was still playing, right? If yeah, Dallas Goddard would help this, open up a lot. That it would it would make me feel a te- ten times better. Because uh, the but passing game hasn't Jack been Stoll and Grant Calcaterra, man. What are you, you worried about? We do, and they both have made a couple of plays since you know the couple of weeks that Goddard's been out here. But Goddard is a game changer and really makes a huge difference in that passing game. I think Tennessee, coming off of a bad loss, you know, uh, they had a chance for revenge against Cincinnati, right? And now they have a chance to go up against the number one team in the NFL. 
you know how Vrabel's going to go, right? He is furious at the way that game ended against Cincinnati, the little mistakes, the the special teams penalty that eliminated a chance for them to even get the ball back and go down and try to tie the game. I think Philly's got a lot to deal with this week. And on top of that, they've struggled against the run. A.J. Dillon, who is a monster of a human being, was running all over them. Well, now they got Derrick Henry, right? And so is Jonathan Gannon going to be willing to adjust? Is Jonathan Gannon going to be able to be willing to load up the box? I don't know if he is. He has not shown any willingness to do that. And I love TJ Edwards and Kazir White, and they both have played really well. But Derrick Henry is a whole other option. There's a chance they get Jordan Davis back in this game. But if Jordan Davis's first game back is going up against Derrick Henry and he's a rookie for as good as he is, that's really tough on him, too. So I'm worried about this. Five and a half seems way too big. I'm taking Tennessee. I think Tennessee covers the spread. and I think it comes down to a field goal. Yeah, you've got December Derrick Henry too. By the way, uh, mm-hmm. this game is uh, is in December. Uh, geez, that's hard to believe. But uh, look, I I I, if, if, I think there's one thing that stands out to me, and uh, it's it's the man who is playing in a bit of a revenge game, uh, who's going to get covered by their their best cornerback and Kevin Byard, to be sure. But I think AJ Brown has a ridiculous game this week because he's yeah. the kind of guy that plays with the intensity that Nick Sirianni preaches every week. Uh, and, and, you know, you saw it in that, in that Colts win, right? He was up on the, on the benches, up on the, on the sideline, uh, screaming and, and, and getting pumped up with the, with the Eagles fans that were there. Um, I do think it offense is going to be a struggle in this game, but I do think uh, in, in a war of attrition, you have, better weapons on on offense as a group than than Tennessee does uh, in their one guy. So I'm going to take the Eagles to cover the spread. Wow. All right. I mean, I would love that. I, I would, but I just I have a I have a bad feeling. The last time I had a bad feeling about a game was the game against Washington. And you and Vito both took the Eagles to cover big time. And uh, and that's not quite what happened. So I hope I hope I'm wrong this time. But uh, I'm worried about that game as a Birds fan. Uh, all right, next up, we have the New York Jets at the uh, Minnesota Vikings. Another really fun matchup here. Uh, I'm excited to see Mike White get a second start here. We know how good the defense of the Jets has been playing. This is a huge, huge test. Uh, and I'll say this too. If, if the Vikings are the Super Bowl contenders that they're preaching to be, that their fans think that they are, that some people around the league think that they are, This is a game that you have to win, right? We said the same thing about Buffalo, but this is even a little bit different because you're still going up against Mike White, right? And and there is no Brees Hall. Uh, We know Elijah Moore, and we know that uh, Garrett Wilson are both really good, young, dynamic wide receivers. Corey Davis, there's options there. The Vikings secondary, Patrick Peterson has had a bit of a – uh, renaissance this year which has been nice to see for a dude who has been a stud for a very very long time in the nfl so how well does this jets offense move the ball against the vikings how well are they able to run it and is the jets defense really that good because the jets haven't been tested often you know in terms of seeing these really really good weapons and sauce gardner is going to get a big old helping of uh of justin jefferson this week and that's going to be a that's, huge test for yeah, a rookie i'm looking forward to watching that matchup yeah, and Sauce Gardner has been amazing. He's been one of the top like five rated cornerbacks in the NFL as a rookie, but he has not faced anybody like Justin Jefferson. The, the closest one was Jamar Chase earlier in the season. Um, I Minnesota is a three point favorite here. 
reluctantly, I'm starting to believe more in this Minnesota team as as maybe less of frauds as, as we wanted to paint them earlier in the year. I'm going to take the Minnesota Vikings, 1 o'clock Kirk Cousins, minus three at home to take down the Jets. The last time Mike White had a big game, he showed up the next week and threw five interceptions. So goes from five what? touchdowns to five picks. I think we see something similar here this week. What do you have that line at? Minus three right now. Minus three. Yeah, that's that's what uh that's what I have too. Uh I wrote in the in the uh on the spreadsheet push uh because I truly <laughs> think this game is gonna come down to a field goal. I think the Jets uh for for all the the limitations on on offense and the struggles with the offensive line, they were able to move the ball really effectively last week with uh with their running games. Donovan Knight had an absolutely uh spectacular game. Uh, and you might get Michael Carter back this week, but if you're if you're led by Ty Johnson and Zonovan Knight, you're doing fine in the running game. Uh, Garrett Wilson had a, 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 an incredible game, and I think that continues this week, um, as well as Elijah Moore. So, um, I, I I like the Jets. Uh, they've been my my against the spread darlings this this season, but uh, the edge to me is the is one o'clock Kirk Cousins. Uh, he's going to get him down into and and I'm telling you, it's going to be a push. They'll get him down in a field goal range with a second left on the clock to be able to to win the game by a field goal. Uh, but I'll take the Vikings against the spread uh, in this one, just because uh, I think the the matchup between Sauce Gardner and and Justin Jefferson is going to be a good one. I'm expecting T.J. Hawkinson to have a big day because mm-hmm. of that. Uh, T.J. Hawkinson, Adam Thielen has dropped in production, save for last week. He had like. Uh, 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 five for for seventy and a touchdown week last week, um, which is which has been you know pretty consistent uh, even with T.J. Hawkinson in the lineup. But I expect uh, those two guys, uh, Thielen and and T.J. Hawkinson, to to uh, be able to produce uh, in the event that uh, Sauce Gardner does his thing against Justin Jefferson. Yeah, I believe going uh, going into last week. TJ Hawkinson was tight end one in fantasy for the first three weeks that he was in Minnesota. So immediately getting a ton of targets, especially in those PPR leagues. So we know he's putting up production already. Uh, I think you're right. I think that's a really good call on Hawkinson. All right. Another really good game here. NFC East duel that is going to have playoff implications right now. The Washington commander is going to MetLife stadium to take on the New York football giants commanders at seven and five, the giants at seven and four, this could flip flop, right? This could flip flop the standings in the NFC East. It could flip flop the standing of the wildcard spots, uh, or it adds an extra gap because the giants haven't had their bye week or the commanders haven't had their bye weeks yet. This could build up that gap even further. If the giants are able to pull this off right now, Washington's a two and a half point favorite I'm pretty split here on this one, Scotty. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts here and then I'll give my two cents. Yeah. To me, uh, the way that Washington's been able to move the ball uh, screams of everything we talked about the Giants defense last week. Uh, okay. On, on defensive push uh, inability in the secondary to stop anything. Uh, and so to me, this screams of a game where uh, you don't have to ask Taylor Heine- Taylor Heineke to do a lot. Uh, and I think you can count on your running game. Uh, Brian Robinson, who had a great game last week, uh, is going to be uh, is going to be used a lot in this game as well. And I think you have uh, on on the outside, you you can be able to utilize uh, Antonio Gibson as a receiver and continue to to do that on defense. 
all you got to do is stuff the box, right? We saw last week and, and over the past few weeks, uh, the the idea that you're going to give Daniel Jones the keys to to win you the game. And that hasn't worked out. And as long as you stuff the box and, and stop Saquon from getting an explosive play, yeah, you're going to be in good shape. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, even look, the Giants have to give Saquon volume, right? We saw him get last week at 11 carries. Uh, and that's just not, you can't win that way. Um, so I expect him to get more carries, but that defensive line is one of the best defensive lines in football. Uh, their secondary is getting better and better each week. And and the Giants don't really have, apart from Darius Slayton, uh, any real receiving threats, right, at all. So uh, I expect the commanders to cover this one easily uh, on the road. Commanders 6-1 and one in their last six games since uh, Carson Wentz has been injured. After starting, after starting the season one and four, now standing there at seven and five with their only loss coming uh, in that game against Minnesota that they damn near won. And the, wa- yeah, the road team is five and oh against the spread in, in this matchup in the last five. So, uh, and, and I'll say this too this is the first of back to back games uh, against the Giants for Washington. They play yeah, with a the bye Giants, week in between, huh? and then they have a bye, and then the next week they play the Giants again. Um, this is a big, big set of games for both of these teams. And uh, the Giants need it. They need something to right the ship. They've lost a few now. Um, but I'm going to go with you here. I'm going to take the Commanders. Oh, wow. Um, the rare Jeff Commanders pick. I think they're a really good team. Uh, and I, I've been saying it now for a few weeks. Like, I said it going into the game against Philly. I was I was not going to be surprised if the, I mean, I would have been surprised. I was surprised, but I thought that game was going to be closer than everyone else thought it was. And it was because this team does things that is successful for winning football. I think they're more talented. Uh, and I think the commanders win this one and move themselves to eight and five, giving them sole possession of third place. And then also just a couple games out from the Dallas Cowboys um, for second place, which you never know. Those two teams have to play each other again, too. So, uh, all right, let's move on. We have, Two more games in the one o'clock window. Uh, Broncos, Ravens, Baltimore is a nine point favorite. I've said it now for four pods or four weeks in a row, at least. I have continued to pick the Ravens to have their big blowout game where they beat a bad team by a lot of points. And every single time I've been wrong, it's not coming this week against this defense. The Broncos are going to keep this ugly and they're going to keep it close. They're great against the run. They're great against the pass. Patrick Sertan's going to lock down whatever wide receiver they try to throw out there, Duvernay, or if he lines up against Mark Andrews. I'm not worried about uh, Pat Sertan having to deal with a ton of passing game difficulties here. Uh, And this Broncos team is frustrated and pissed off, and I think they match up well against this Ravens team offensively. I do think the Ravens win the game, but it's going to be the same way that they always have, right? Right now, Lamar is a 20-yard line to 20-yard line type of quarterback which means he's getting them down there and they're not executing in the red zone. And part of that's because of the weapons around him. And part of that's just that Lamar for as good as he's been rushing the ball and whatnot, he hasn't executed well in the red zone this year. This whole team hasn't, they typically find one possession where they're able to punch it in with Ricard and someone else in that backfield, pushing him into the end zone. But there aren't these big explosive plays on the ground or through the air. And, uh, I just don't I don't see Baltimore winning this game big and nine points is a ton. So I'm going to take the Broncos to cover and I'm also going to throw in my prop bet here. Mm. The first half over under is set at 19 and a half. 
I am hammering the under on this. Neither one of these teams has been great in the first half. Baltimore's had a couple of games. Obviously, the game against Miami, they scored a million points in the first half. Uh, but since then, they have not scored well in the first half, and the Broncos can't score at all. So basically, you're asking, hey, can the Ravens score 20 points in the first half? And I don't think they do that against <laughs> this Broncos def- uh, defense. So uh, I like the under in the first half at 19 and a half, uh, and I'm taking the Broncos to cover the nine-point spread. I would honestly take the under for the entire game at 38 and a half. Like, yes, that too. <laughs> because because uh, we've seen how bad the the uh, the Ravens are in, in the second half, particularly in the fourth quarter. Uh, so if this game is close, I don't expect uh, a, a ton of points to be scored either way. Look, I don't think Russell Wilson has the ability to uh, manipulate his offense uh, or the Broncos' offense, which has he thinks is his offense, uh, into beating this Ravens defense. Um, the Ravens defense is just too good. Uh, they're not going to be able to get any running game going uh, against uh, against the Ravens. Uh, and look, when it comes down to it, yeah, Lamar Jackson's a great twenty to twenty quarterback. Uh, but there's been controversy over the past couple of weeks, right? He was or last this past week even he responded to uh, a troll on Twitter who got upset after the game. And, Which part and, of that uh, I will say, the clapback was pretty funny. It was a hundred percent. But uh, it and, also and does seem like, like, I don't know. Lamar, I love Lamar and I love his personality. So like, he's one of those guys, that if it's anyone else, I would be like, man, like rent free in his head kind of situation. But Lamar, right. I think just has this like weird joy and, and laughter and love of life that he's just kind of like, it's kind of like KD. It's like KD's still going to go out and fucking drop 35 in every game, he, every other game he plays in. But he's also going to tell some dude on Twitter to stop being a little bitch. And I 100% agree. And so when that translates on the field this week, you're going to see Lamar over 100 yards, uh, maybe a touchdown or two. And I think he single-handedly puts the team on his back, sands weapons, uh, forgets about Jim Harbaugh because uh, his play calling is terrible. Uh, and this offense has been terrible with him calling it uh, over the past couple of years. Lamar puts him on a back and, and covers the spread uh, in wow. this game as well. I swear to God, if they do this and cover a big spread when I'm not the one that picks them and you get this, I mean, it would be fitting for this year. I mean, you're just absolutely kicking <laughs> my ass. So it, it's, I mean, you're, you're right now like 30 or 40 games up on me in our picks for the season. Um, Have I clinched? It, I would need to pull off a miraculous stretch from now until the Super Bowl, but uh, it, right, it's we, pretty damn. By the way. Well, while we're on the subject of clinching our fan, I know nobody wants to hear about the fantasy league, but Jeff did clinch the read option podcast cup. He beat me two weeks ago. Uh, he beat Vito uh, earlier on in the season. So he has clinched the read option podcast cup in our fantasy league this yeah. season. Congratulations, right. Jeff. I appreciate it right now. You guys account for like half of my wins. I think I, cause I think I beat you <laughs> twice and Vito once. So uh, yeah, I think that I have six wins. I'm like six and six right now. So. Hey, you know what? But we're, I'm sneaking into the playoffs. I'm I'm the team. I'm the Washington Commanders right now. Either way, you're getting nobody, hardware. <laughs> I'm the team that nobody wants to fuck with in the playoffs right now. Uh, but again, no one cares about our fantasy team. So uh, we can move on. All right. You take Baltimore. I'm on Denver and the first half under at 19 and a half. Last one o'clock game. And this is yet another example as to why this week is so interesting. Because on paper, this game is not interesting at all. But... The Cleveland Browns, new starting quarterback to Sean Watson, first time we've seen him play football in almost two years, going to his old team, which I don't know if this is possible 
that the NFL could have planned all of this out in advance and gotten this to be the game for ratings or whatever. I will say this. It's very convenient. I don't know if the NFL did or didn't. We know when the schedule is released and we know that the Deshaun Watson stuff hadn't been sorted out uh, and we didn't really know much of what was going on uh, at that point. Nonetheless, the Cleveland is a seven-point favorite. I have no idea what to expect out of this offense uh, or Deshaun Watson. So I, I can't give some sort of educated, researched, nuanced take on this. What I can say is fuck Deshaun Watson and fuck the Cleveland Browns. And I hope the Texans come out and they stomp their old team, and I hope they put them in a fucking body bag in the first quarter and say, hey, remember what the NFL was like? Yeah, you don't because you haven't played in two fucking years because you've been doing uh, handling some other shit. So uh, I'm taking the Houston Texans plus seven. I don't care if it's a good pick or not. Fuck the Browns. Fuck Deshaun Watson. Uh, I'm going with my heart in this one. So go Texans. Yeah, that's a good pick, Jeff, by the way. Uh, X's and O's wise, I think it's going to be hard for Nick Chubb to be able to run the ball, right? And you you don't know what you're going to get out of this offense. Deshaun Watson, remember, is a mobile quarterback. Uh, And so... Is he? I don't remember. I haven't seen him play football in two years. That's right. Yeah, uh, rightfully so, and it should be forever. Uh, But you don't know what you're going to get out of the offense. You'd expect Nick Chubb to get uh, uh, a good chunk of work, and, and luckily they have Kareem Hunt too, but the... The Texans have proved that they're pretty good at stuffing the run uh, mm-hmm. at limiting the run, at least. So uh, who knows what's going to happen there? I'm with you. It's the moral victory. I, I've seen uh, articles saying that there are going to be 10 of the uh, accused uh, accusers at the game yeah, uh, to, make a, to, to make a stand and say, we're still here. Uh, despite the fact that you still get to play football, you giant piece of uh, human feces. Uh, and, and on top of that, uh, the Browns are 0-4 in their last four games after getting 150 rushing yards on the ground. They're 0-4 against a team with a losing record against the spread. They're 1-7 in their last eight with a straight-up win. Um, they're 0-5 in their last meeting, five meetings in Houston. They're 0-7 in their last seven uh, meetings against Houston uh, as well. So all of that said, screw Deshaun Watson. I'm going with the Texans too. I love it. We're both on Houston. Uh, all right, that wraps up our uh, the first part of the pod. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back. We got the four o'clock window, and we have our college football playoff uh, predictions as well as conference championship uh, preview after this. All right, the four o'clock window kicks off. We have two four o five games, two four twenty five games. Uh, we have two really good games and two kind of meh games uh the seattle we'll start with the meh games and then we'll, we'll save the good ones after uh seahawks rams no aaron donald in this game seahawks coming off of a uh, a tough loss a bad loss to the raiders a game that the seahawks should have won and they should be seven and four right now with a chance to move to eight and four securing their spot uh in the postseason instead now they are in second place in the division, currently on the outside looking in on the playoffs because of the NFC beast. Um, but the Seahawks have a really good chance of winning this game, and I think they will. Uh, the Rams have nothing to look forward to. Still unsure about whether Stafford's going to play. Aaron Donald's out. Cooper Cup's out. There's no one. They released Daryl Henderson. Did you see that? I think yeah. it was last week. That kind of flew under the radar. Picked up by the Jags. Yeah, that was a weird decision because it seems like he did so much for them and now i guess they're rolling with cam makers uh it, it's all in all it's a weird situation for the rams if it ends up being bryce perkins again that's not good for the rams uh this team is in like 
I don't know what you do at this point. You save, you don't have a draft pick. I mean, you have some second rounders and and uh, some later picks, but the Rams are in a tough spot. So the Seahawks, they should win this. They're seven and a half point favorites. No Aaron Donald up the middle. Uh, this is a bit of a re- revenge game. Bobby Wagner going up against his uh, former team for the first time. But uh, I think Kenneth Walker has a monster day. I think they're going to be able to run the ball comfortably. Seven and a half is a lot, but I don't think the Rams are going to be able to score any points at all. I think the Seahawks win this one, and I think they win it pretty big. I'm going to take Seattle minus the seven and a half. I'm going to go Rams. I hope they tie. Uh, this is a Scott hopes that neither team wins game. Uh, I was going to say, this is like your least favorite game of the year. Whenever oh, these two God. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just pathetic. Look, the Seahawks are 2-10 in the last 12 games after getting 90 yards on the ground. Uh, Kenneth Walker could have a big game, but I don't think it's going to impact them uh, in the way that it has before. Uh, it's Jalen... Uh, Jalen Ramsey is going to make Geno, uh, Geno Smith stay hell. Uh, and on top of that, the, uh, the favorite and uh, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, yeah, I'd already said that the Seahawks are two and eight in their last 10 meetings in Los Angeles. Give me the Rams. All right. Despite all odds, <laughs> despite all odds. I mean, look, seven and a half is a big spread. So taking the points on a, on a game like this, where, I mean, the Rams muddied it up with Cleveland last week, right? Uh, or sorry, with Kansas City last week, right? And and can, not granted, Kansas City kind of played with their food, so to speak. But uh, yeah, no, I like Seattle here. Uh, and you're on the ramp. So moving on, the first of the really, really good games. I'm so excited for this game. The Dolphins and the Niners. Right now, the Dolphins, eight and three, are rolling. Still have not lost a game with Tua Tungavailoa as their starting quarterback and finishing quarterback. They're about to. <clears throat> And uh, San Francisco right now, four-point favorite, coming off of a pretty weak offensive performance, I'd say, but we know that defense is humming. Uh, I would say we're talking about one of the top two offenses for the Dolphins going up against one of the top two defenses in the Niners, and that matchup is going to be fascinating. If there's one weak spot on this Niners team, it's in the secondary. Uh, I love I, I love the safety, the Samoan guy whose name I always fuck up pronouncing. Alanoa Hufanga. Hufanga, thank you. Uh, but he's that like Palomalu guy. Like he's the Tongan and Tiger. And I know that that's a lazy comp because like, oh, you're just picking the other you know Samoan safety who's really good and has long hair. It's like no, they play a similar style. Like he's really good at getting downhill and blowing up games in the running game. He's good in coverage too, but that's not his strength. You know, like. Ed Reed could go down and get muddied and, and get in the box and make plays in the run game, but his specialty was making plays in the secondary and make, making interceptions. Troy Palomalu made plays in the secondary all the time, had interceptions, but he was known for the plays jumping over the line of scrimmage and, and getting down and dirty and basically being like a fourth linebacker for those Steelers teams. And that's how Ofanga plays, and I think that actually is a tough matchup for him going up against the speed of these Miami wide receivers uh, and, and on top of it, too, it's which version of Jimmy G are we going to get? The Dolphins defense played really has played really well. I mean, I still don't trust them fully, but Bradley Chubb's starting to come into his own a little bit. Can they get enough pressure? You know, we've talked about that right side of the offensive line for the Niners. I think this is a bit of a, 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 a weird line and maybe it's a rat line. I don't know. Maybe I'm biting, you know, going after the cheese. But I like the Dolphins here. I think four points is too many. I think it's going to be a closer game. And if the Niners offense is cooking and it's Christian McCaffrey and it's De- uh, Debo and everyone's going, that's great. But C-Mac's banged up. Elijah Mitchell's banged up. Debo's a little banged up. So it's like Brandon Ayuk 
and all those other guys, I mean, they did the graphic during the Niners game last week with how they cut up the pie, you know, and they did a cute little mm-hmm. Thanksgiving mm-hmm. graphic about it. And right now, since they got McCaffrey, McCaffrey's got 24% of the touches going into last week. Uh, Elijah Mitchell had 21 or had 19 and, uh, Debo Samuel had like another 18 and then the smallest piece of the pie was Brandon Ayuk and he's the only one that's fully healthy right now so I like the Dolphins everyone's healthy they can move the ball well but it's going to be a really fascinating matchup against a really good Niners defense and I know D'Amico Ryans is going to cook something up I just think the line's a little bit too big I like the Dolphins I'm taking Miami and we cannot understate the fact that this is Mike McDaniel who came Mm -hmm. from the Kyle Shanahan school Mm -hmm. uh, coaching against Kyle Shanahan so uh, rest assured, uh, this this is a game where Kyle Shanahan's going to be able to or going to have to pull out all the stops. Um, you know whose name hasn't been called in a long time for the San Francisco 49ers? Kittle. Most of the season, really? George Kittle. I yeah. think he's going to have a really big game, uh, and especially the way Jimmy played last week against a pretty decent defense with a similar makeup, uh, decent defensive line, Good second uh, second level with linebackers and and a and a pretty good secondary uh, in the Saints. I think you're going to see need to see a lot of George Kittle uh, being able or being able to maneuver around the middle of the field and Jimmy being able to to make plays with him uh, to open up some of the some of the cool run stuff we do with Debo. Uh, some of the stuff Mike McDaniel and Kyle Shanahan collaborated on uh, while uh, Mike McDaniel was here. So I think it'll be interesting to see both of those minds going uh, going at each other. Um, uh, in, in the uh, in the chess match of a football game, uh, I'm going to take the Niners here uh, because it's at home. Uh, if this were in Miami, I, I, I would I would struggle a little bit with uh, with that line. But I think because it's at home, I think the defense is going to be able to do enough. Uh, and Jimmy just has to make plays and win games. That's what he does. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Uh, the other awesome game uh, in the four o'clock window, we have the four twenty five matchup: the Kansas City Chiefs traveling to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals who are playing their best football of the season. Right now, the chiefs are a two point favorite on the road, uh, which says a lot about how Vegas views Cincinnati right now. And maybe it's the respect of what they did last year. Maybe it's the fact that they've been able to win in a bunch of different ways, even without Jamar chase. And there's a good chance Jamar chase comes back and plays in this game. Even if he's not fully 100%, I think they'll need that. Uh, I expect this to be a pretty high scoring game. This game comes down to which defense do I believe in? And what's funny is I feel like these two defenses are pretty on par with one another Uh, between Sam Hubbard and uh, Trey Hendrickson, like the defensive line for Cincinnati, I think matches up well compared to Bruce Irvin and Chris Jones for Kansas city. Both secondaries have a lot left to be desired. Uh, I think this is a high scoring game. Vegas thinks so too. 52 and a half points for the over under. This is going to be a really, really fun game. And I think a lot of it does come down to whether or not uh, we see Jamar Chase. But the one little caveat I'll add is that even without Joe Mixon, Cincinnati has been able to run the ball. They've been doing a lot more under center with Joe Burrow. It hasn't been the spread it out, shotgun, let it fly kind of offense that we've seen for Cincinnati. And it makes me feel like this is a game that Cincinnati has a pretty good chance of winning. I'm not sold on it yet. So what do you think, Scotty? I... I'm there. I, look, even if uh, if Mixon's not there, P. Ryan's serviceable. If you have both, even better. Uh, we've seen some of their two back sets uh, where both of them on, are on the field. What do they call it? Not the pistol, but like the 
<laughs> yeah, um, there is another new. It's just twenty one yeah. personnel. It's just a running yeah. back. For, it's a formation that has two running backs. It has a dumb name that they added to it. Yeah, and then look, you get Jamar Chase back. I don't know what you're expecting out of uh, out of him, right? I don't think his production is good or his snap share is going to be at a, at uh, his normal volume. But the fact that he's even out on the field, uh, you have to guard him, uh, and you ha- and you have to put uh, a safety help on either side of him. Plus, on top of that, then you that opens up, like you said, it opens up stuff for T. Higgins. It opens up stuff for Tyler Boyd over the middle. It opens up stuff for Hayden Hurst. Uh, and so, I think Joe Burrow has got this this offense humming. I think the offensive line has got to continue doing what they uh, have been doing over the past couple of weeks and and solidifying that unit. Uh, I'm going to take the Bengals. Uh, look, the Chiefs. It's it's a weird, it's a weird line, right? It's one of those like what does Vegas know things. Uh, but w- when it comes down to it, the Chiefs are one and four uh, in their last five meetings in Cincinnati against the spread. They're o three and one in their last four overall. They're o three and one after accumulating 250 passing yards. Patrick Mahomes has thrown for 300 for the fourth straight week. Uh, they're o seven and one. And the last eight games after a straight up win are the Chiefs, and they're 0 7 and 1 in their last eight games against the AFC. Would you believe that wow. uh, against the spread? So I'm going to take the Bengals at home uh, plus two. I'm also going to take Cincinnati. The other thing I'll add to that too is it does kind of feel like Kansas City's due for a letdown game, you know, in December. <laughs> Because they always do. I mean, like, look, I mean, Kansas City is amazing. I don't think they finished the season with two losses. I think there's going to be another loss that comes along that schedule at some and, point. And they've and, got a game to play with, too, in the in the seating. So. Yeah, and and not to say that they're – I mean, they're going to try to win every single game. Um, but no Juju, right? They've had to get a lot out of Pacheco. They've had to get a lot out of uh, – you know, Pacheco's banged up, too. Mm-hmm. They signed Melvin Gordon. Did they? Oh, I missed that. Um, yeah. But there's just a lot that, like, they're relying on second and third string tight ends a lot. And look, it's Mahomes. Mahomes can do that. But in a close game against another really good team and a team that's playing so good on the defensive side of the ball, particularly in the second half, I I just – this is a game where it's like I don't want to doubt Patrick Mahomes, but I also don't want to doubt Joe Burrow either. Uh, You can't also look over the fact that Kansas City is looking for revenge after what happened in the AFC Championship game last year. Uh, and Patrick Mahomes, even though they've never confirmed it, 100% had a concussion in the second half of that game and oh was God. not himself. He had to have. <laughs> um, so I'm, I, I do think Kansas City is going to come out and play really hard, but at some point, I think this is just going to be a really, really good football game. Uh, and Cincinnati's starting to play their best football this year. The offensive line's playing good. I think no matter who's in the backfield, whether it's Mixon or P. Ryan, they're going to be able to run the ball or at least get P. Ryan the ball in space. I like Cincinnati. I'm with you. We're going with the Bengals. Uh, all right. Last of the four o'clock window, we have the Chargers going on, uh, going up against the Las Vegas Raiders uh, and the Raiders coming off their second straight <laughs> win uh, and, and an impressive win against the good Seattle team. This is a Here really come the Raiders. <laughs> What's that? Here come the Raiders. Here question comes mark? the Raiders. Maybe uh, the Chargers <laughs> come off of a game that they should have won easier than they did against Arizona made a ton of little small mistakes, but they still found a way to win the game on the last play. Uh, I think this game and Vegas agrees is going to be a little bit closer than maybe you would think when you just see the two teams based off of what we've seen from the Raiders so far this year, Uh, the defense has gotten a lot better. The run defense in particular has gotten a lot better. 
the offensive line for the Chargers is still a massive problem. You still have to deal with Chandler Jones. You still have to deal with Max Crosby. I think they're going to be able to get pressure. But I love Justin Herbert, man. Justin Herbert's by far playing the best football of his career. And he knows that he has to kind of carry this team at times. And I know Devontae Adams on the other side of the ball. Waller's been basically hurt, or if he has played, has been a complete non-factor this year. Uh, and there's no one else for them to throw the ball to. I think the Chargers line up Asante Samuel uh, Jr. and give him safety help, and they key in on Devontae yeah. Adams with, with Derwin James, and they take this game, and I, I think it will be close. I think it'll be you know a four- or five-point game, but I'd like the Chargers to win here minus one-and-a-half on the road. I do too. I, look, it, it's it's the the only thing I can see is is if the the Raiders are able to run the ball the way they have uh, yes. for a few weeks in a stretch earlier on in the year, and then obviously what we saw last week out of Josh Jacobs, uh, and this is a, a prime defense to be able to do that against. They've been an absolute sieve uh, on on the on their rush defense all year long, um, uh, even with Khalil Mack in there. So uh, I, I don't I don't anticipate that that's going to be any different. I just don't think that uh, them being able to open up the run game by throwing to Devontae Adams is going to be there, uh, given how good the secondary for the Chargers has played over the past couple of weeks. I think Justin Herbert is is starting to get into a rhythm where he's like, all right, my ball, let's go. Uh, and, and it's him and it's Austin Eckler and it's Keenan Allen when he's out there. Hopefully he'll be out there again this week. Uh, and, and you can name or pick any receiver, just throw any one of them out there. Uh, and, and Justin Herbert has been able to find them over the past couple of weeks. Uh, and so I'm going to go with the chargers as well. Uh, because they're, they're, they're money on the road over the last six games are five and one, uh, against the spread on the road. So I'm going to take the chargers. The uh, ninth of nine home dogs, by the way, are the Raiders. Yeah. Uh, nine home dogs this week. Yeah. This is one where, and we have, we've picked a few of them, uh, each of us, but, I'll say this too, man. I didn't realize how bad the rushing numbers were defensively for the Chargers. You know I me, mean? how many rushing yards per game they're giving up this year? Oh, it's got to be, it's got to be over one twenty. One hundred and fifty-one. Wow, a game. Ooh, I almost said twelve. They've given up. I thought over, that was aggressive. <laughs> they've given up almost seventeen hundred yards on the ground so far this year. Hmm. So basically, whoever plays the and they signed one of the best. Plays, <laughs> Yeah, whoever plays the Chargers is basically the best running back in the NFL that week. Uh, and they might be playing the one Falcons. of the best. Right? <laughs> yeah, they might be playing one of the best running backs in the NFL this week with the way that Josh Jacobs has been playing. But I'm still going to go because I just I don't think that the Raiders continue the stretch. I just I, Derek Carr, they've squeezed by. They still make a few mistakes here and there. Um, but hey, hey, who knows? Maybe McDaniels just says, hey, we're just going to feed josh jacobs and keep the ball the whole time and keep it out of josh uh justin herbert's hands and the raiders might pull off a win but i'm gonna stick with the Chargers here minus one and a half yeah um all right sunday night colts cowboys this game sucks um cowboys are an 11 point favorite here uh but look the cowboys have been this team that they're either demolishing teams or it ends up being closer than people think now the problem is uh the colts (laughs) Jonathan Taylor's obviously really good. Um, had a bit of a disappointing year this year. The bigger problem is Matt Ryan having to do with Micah Parsons all night. And that offensive line having to do with Micah Parsons. And I don't see a world where the Colts are able to slow down the Cowboys. I know 11 points seems like a lot. Um, but I just – I can't not pick Dallas to win this game. And and I think they, 
they definitely end up winning it big. I, I, I don't know how the Colts moved the football. And we just saw – it's funny because what were the two games that we saw Justin Herbert – or sorry, uh, jo, uh, Joe Burrow start this year against? It was the Steelers and then the Cowboys. And he got eaten alive by that Steelers offensive line or defensive line, and then he got eaten alive by the Cowboys defensive line. I think the Colts are in for a similar situation. I'm going to take the Cowboys minus 11 here. I know it's a lot of points, but uh, the Cowboys can run the ball. The Colts struggle against the run, uh, and the Cowboys are going to be able to. It's more a bet on the fact that I just don't think the Colts are going to score any points. So even if the Cowboys score two touchdowns and kick a field goal and win the game 17 to three, you know, they're still going to cover this game. So I'm going to take Dallas. And the secondary is coming on. So for the, for the Cowboys. So even the one out that you do have uh, with Jonathan Taylor running the ball is like, it's negated by how good the, the, the Cowboys line is in Michael Parsons. So uh, I'm with you. I'm going to take the the Cowboys, even though it's 11, the public is fading this. I feel like, uh, are fading the Cowboys. All these tickets are going to to uh, to uh, to the Colts so far. Um, so, and I think that's probably just because of the number. But the favorites four and one in the last five meetings uh, in this game. Uh, Jeff Saturday still only has three timeouts a half. Uh, you can't carry over the one that you left in your pocket uh, on Monday night. And uh, I think I think the Cowboys are, and they're going to have the benefit to the Cowboys of being able to see what happened in front of them uh, in in the division. Uh, between the Eagles and Titans game and then the, uh, the pivotal uh, division game between the giants and the commanders. So uh, I think that's going to help with a little bit of the motivation. Uh, but, you know, uh, apart from that, I think they win this game easily. And I think it's by more than 11. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you there. All right. So we're both on the Cowboys uh, and uh, yeah, it's just, it's going to be tough. And it, look, the Jeff's the Jeff Saturday thing was a lot of fun when it first started. Um, we are, we're long past it, even though it's only been three weeks, I think we're, we're kind of past whatever juice he brought to the locker room that week. Uh, and I think things are just going to continue to go South for the Colts. Uh, and that brings us to our Monday night game. We have the saints and the bucks, another game that sucks. Um, not looking forward to this one at all, but Hey, it's football. We'll take it. Uh, Tampa Bay is a three and a half point favorite. The, uh, saints have owned, Tom Brady and the Bucks in this uh, relationship over the last couple of years since he's been in Tampa Bay. Does this streak continue, Scotty? Yes, it does. The Saints are 4-0 in their last four meetings in Tampa Bay. The road team is 4-1 against the spread. And New Orleans was able to move the ball uh, despite how poorly the score might have looked, 13-0 last week against the Niners. But they were able to move the ball against the best defense in the NFL. Uh, a couple of blunders uh, in the red zone in particular uh, – is what spelled their doom, but they were right there against a, a really good defense. And for as bad as the saints have looked uh, on, on paper, you look at their stats, you look at the score. It's like, oh, they don't, they don't have any business being here. That might be true, but again, like they have good talent. They have Camara and Chris Olave uh, and, and Andy Dalton has stretches, right? He's a streaky quarterback and their defense has played well uh, week in and week out. So, I, I I like the fact that they play well against Tampa Bay. I like the fact that they're on the road uh, with the numbers favoring the road team in this matchup. So I'm going to take the Saints in this game. All right. I'm with you. I'm taking the Saints too. I don't want the Saints to win this game. Um, I very much don't want the Saints to win this game. I want the Saints well, that, to continue to lose. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. I mean, Andy Dalton has either looked pretty good or terrible. Uh, and, and they've 
they've been in every game. Like even the game, like we talked about on, on Tuesday's pod, the game against San Francisco, right? Like they had multiple opportunities at the goal line and made a couple of small mistakes and their defense has seemingly kind of clicked in here. That offense for Tampa Bay is awful. Uh, it, and they just lost Tristan Wirfs, their best offensive lineman. Yeah, so. and, and that's a that huge, was left. huge loss. And I think that's just going to help the Saints defensive line here. Uh, I'm going to take the Saints. Uh, I think the Saints end up pulling this out uh, and win outright as well. Um, but again, I'm hoping Tom Brady finds a way. You know, maybe they cover the spread and Tom Brady finds a way to just pull it out the very, very end. Uh, that's my that's my what I'm hoping for. But uh, I do think the Saints end up winning this game. So we're on the same page there. All right. Uh, quick break. We'll come back. We got the college football conference championship preview and our picks for the college football playoff. And then we will wrap up the pod on the other side. Conference championship weekend is here and we're going to preview the power five conference championship games, as well as make our picks for what we think the college, the top six are going to be in uh, the college football playoff. Uh, starting off here, a game that doesn't really matter. We have Clemson at UNC. The ACC is out. Uh, there's no way either of these teams are getting in, and with good reason. Clemson is one of the worst 10-2 and two teams uh, I've seen in a long time from a Power 5 school. The ACC had a bad year. The ACC is down right now. Um, doesn't mean it's going to be down forever, uh, and it does feel like the Pac-12 has kind of surpassed them in terms of, of quality. Um, I mean, you just look around the ACC and there's like, who's the, who's the elite head coach that you love in the ACC, right? You would say Dabo based off of resume, but you know, Mac Brown, Mac Brown is probably the second best coach like in the, in the ACC. And, and that's saying something because uh, Mac Brown has done a great job since getting to North Carolina, but um, it's just, they're kind of their own little bubble right now. And, and Dabo's clearly not recruiting and not, not, executing at the same level he was during those years when they were winning national championships. So uh, Clemson, North Carolina, Clemson's a seven and a half point favorite who ends up winning uh, the ACC Scotty and who covers the spread. Uh, it's going to be Clemson winning this game. And I think they do cover in this game as well. It's uh, it's not uh, on the field. These two teams, I, I feel like the way Clemson's played match up pretty well Uh and the way North Carolina's played, but the way I mean, look, Clemson at this point, what are they? They're playing for a New Year, a New Year's Six Bowl, uh, and they're playing for what I think is potentially and most likely a chance to play Alabama again uh, in a New Year's Six Bowl. And so I think uh, they're going to come out and uh, and play up for their coach and 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 do all the things right that uh, that that program has been so used to over the past six, seven years, uh, eight years. So. Um, yeah, I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take the Tigers here in uh, in this one. Uh, I'm gonna go with North Carolina. Uh, I think Drake May is one of the best quarterbacks in college football. Uh, I, I love the the wide receiver room at North Carolina. I love what Mac Brown's done, and I don't think that Clemson's a particularly good team. I just don't. Uh, like I said it leading up. I think ten and two. Look, North Carolina had that scare against App State early in the season. They found a way to pull it out. There's going to be a lot of. I think there's going to be more points scored in this game. Than people realize now look Clemson undefeated in ACC play I get it uh, but at some point even coming off the loss to South Carolina last week I do think North Carolina finds a way to not only cover the spread but I think they win outright too and I think North Carolina ends up hoisting the ACC championship trophy which would be very very fitting for the way that the ACC has kind of played out this year so I'm rolling with uh, the Tar Heels 
Uh, up next, Big Ten Championship. We have Purdue at Michigan. Michigan's a 17-point favorite. Uh, what I think we both agree here that Michigan's going to win, uh, but how much do they win by? Uh, I, I think it's a lot. You know, uh, the only the only huge metric eye test I have for Purdue is is the Penn State game, uh, which they kind of did a good job of shutting down the run, uh, which is is going to be Purdue's strength. Is Blake Corum going to be in? Does he need to be in? Uh, I, for Michigan, I don't know. Uh, but I do think that their offense is, is clicking. Uh, I, they're coming off an emotional win uh, to get them into this game in, in the first place. Uh, and Purdue, on the other hand, has has just been playing solid football uh, up and down the uh, the uh, Big Ten West for uh, for the the entirety of the season, uh, which I called. By by the way, that was my pick to win the Big Ten West. So. Uh, uh, in our, in our previews this year, 17 is a lot, but I think if, if there's a team, um, if there's a team fit to do that in this top four, uh, spoiler alert, it's going to be Michigan. Um, and, and I, and I think that, uh, Michigan is wins comfortably. Uh, and no, you know what? I'm going to switch Purdue because I think Michigan, they win this game that they're in regardless. They lose this game. I think they're still in, um, but I don't think that they're they're necessarily going to be out there looking for blood, um, and, and you know if they cakewalk, they cakewalk. If they if they win the game, they're they're going to win the game anyway. So uh, I'm going to take Purdue to cover the spread. Actually, go yeah. Boilers! Boiler uh, after Purdue's, uh, if you look at Purdue's schedule this season, they have four losses, uh, and only one of them has been more than 17 points. And that was the loss to Iowa when they played uh, the Hawkeyes. They lost 24 to three. Uh, everything of else all is, teams to lose by 17 yeah. to. <laughs> uh, and, but Iowa has a really good defense. They lost to Wisconsin, who had a good defense. They lost to Penn State, who ended up having a good defense. But at that point in week one, that was a 35 to 31 game. They gave up 35 or they scored 31 on a good Penn State team. And then they lost by three to Syracuse earlier in the year. Um, the biggest concern for me is their quarterback, uh, Alex O'Connell is out right now. Um, at least in terms of some of their prep stuff, he's going to end up being a game time decision. That is a huge difference maker for me. Uh, and the other thing too, is there's not a whole lot of, uh, meat on this schedule in terms of when you look at who Purdue has played anytime they've played a good defense, uh, with the exception of the Illinois game, they've struggled. Um, now they've put up points against Penn state. They put up points against Syracuse. who doesn't have a good defense. They put up 24 against Wisconsin and they played Iowa. They only scored three and that was at home. I, I feel like Michigan's defense is the most under talked about part of this Michigan team. Uh, and if there's one thing about Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh is classic old school football guy. He doesn't fall into this whole, like, Hey, you know, we, we know we're better. We're going to be able, no, he's going to have these guys gassed up to go out and win a conference championship, be back-to-back champions. I think they blow out big time. I'm going to take Michigan minus 17 here. Uh, but, I, but again, I think we both agree. Michigan's going to win the football game. Uh, all right. Next up here, we have the sec championship. LSU is playing Georgia, and we talked about this uh, before we started recording. It's wild to me that the same gap that Vegas perceives between Michigan and Purdue is is the same size gap between Georgia and LSU. Uh, Georgia is a 17-and-a-half-point favorite against the Tigers. Look, LSU, 
this is the this is the Super Bowl for them, right? If they find a way to knock off Georgia, Georgia's making it regardless. But if they find a way to knock off Georgia, it would be huge for them. The one thing under Kirby Smart that they haven't really been able to do is perform well in the SEC championship game. They lost to Alabama the year that uh Justin or the year they had Justin Fields and the fake punt and Jalen Hurts came in for Tua. And then they lost last year to Alabama in the SEC championship game. I don't think they lose the SEC championship game, but I do think LSU keeps it closer than people think. I'm going to take LSU plus 17 and a half to, uh, to cover the spread. Uh, but I do think Georgia ends up winning the SEC championship game. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, look, Jaden Daniels uh, is, is going to have, uh, is going to have to have a really big game. Uh, this is their Super Bowl because they're fighting again for a uh, two-loss team. They can get a New Year's Six Bowl. If they lose this game, uh, they still have a shot at it, but uh, depends what happens in front of them. Uh, and and for, for as big as the top four uh, and playoffs is, that's out of the picture. New Year's Six Bowls are huge. Uh, take it from a Penn Stater uh, who lives in New Year's Six Bowls over the past six seasons. So um, I, I, I think... I think LSU does come out there, able to run the ball uh, effectively and, and do a little bit with uh, with Jaden Daniels. But uh, I don't know, man. This Georgia offense is is a sight, and and their defense is as good as it was last. Well, slightly less good, but that t- defense was an absolute juggernaut last season. Um, but they're the clear number one, and until anyone proves otherwise. Uh, and and I think it'll be hard pressed to uh, to to find that out throughout the uh, uh, the conference championship and the playoff uh, as well. I don't I don't think that they're a team that uh, that that will fold under uh, under this sort of pressure. I don't think they'll even be able to keep it close. LSU. I'm gonna think I'm, I think it's a Georgia blowout in this one. All right, Scotty's on the Bulldogs. All right, next up, the Big 12 Championship, Kansas State-TCU rematch of uh, one of the more wild games we had earlier this year. Kansas State blew a big-time lead uh, against TCU. I think they were up like 28. Let me pull that game up real quick because I think Kansas State was up. uh, 38-28. They were up, yeah, one point. Yeah, but I was saying in the first half, Kansas State was up 28-17. to Uh, and eventually blew that and got shut out in the second half, gave up 21 unanswered in the second half uh, to TCU. This was a a big-time game. Uh, Look, I I really like this Kansas State team. Chris Kleiman has this team playing really well. It's crazy. You look back, their losses were to Texas, uh, TCU, and Tulane, who Tulane ends up, you know, being the best team in the the American um, and, and a really, really good football team this year. But they beat Oklahoma, they beat Baylor, beat the shit out of Baylor, uh, and they have been rolling ever since that loss to Texas. They beat Oklahoma State 48 to nothing, uh, and they rattled off the uh, three straight wins after losing to Texas, beating Baylor 31 to three, West Virginia 48 to 31, and Kansas 47 to 27. And I think they know they let one slip away. I think. And I hate to do this because I like Sonny Dykes and I like this TCU team and I want them to win. But I think Adrian Martinez and the Kansas State Wildcats win this game. And I think they win the Big 12. I'm taking K-State to avenge that loss and potentially knock TCU out of the college football playoff. Give it to me. I'm so with you. I'm so with you. This is a, a, a total revenge game 
the the pressure cooker has been building for TCU uh, close games the the entire entirety of the season. The whole uh, media telling them they don't belong uh, in, in this in this playoff picture. A lot of purple in this game, by the way. A lot uh, of is going to be in Dallas. So uh, give me the give me the purple that uh, is going to be roaring the loudest, and that's Kansas State outright win knocks TCU out of the playoff picture. And I, and look, I really really hope that TCU finds a way to win this game. I mean, they steamrolled Iowa State last week. I picked Iowa State to cover. That was dumb. Uh, they have the, the unbelievable running the, the field goal unit out to kick the uh, the game winner against Baylor two weeks ago. They beat Texas 17-10 uh, to 10 in a hard-fought game. Uh, but everything else, you know, I mean, the Oklahoma State game was insane. Uh, this is a team that you just feel like they have, like they have to win this game, right? Like they have to find a way to win this game. I just don't know if they do. Um, obviously, the wins against Oklahoma and Kansas and Oklahoma State and Kansas State and Texas, those are all ranked wins when they played those teams. That's five ranked wins on their on their uh, resume right now. But I still feel like if they lose, the committee will find a way to kick them out, which is the shitty part of the conference championships where TCU could lose a nail-biter against Kansas State in the in the Big 12 championship. And they might put in Ohio State over them because the committee thinks that Ohio State's a better team. And you know what? The committee may not be wrong, but it sucks. And that's why expanded playoffs are a good thing because teams like TCU and the year that they have had, it shouldn't come down to just this game. They deserve a chance to play for the national championship. They've been that good this year. Max Duggan is a stud. I hope the Horned Frogs win. I really do. But the Big 12 is known for its chaos and for a league that's been super chaotic over the years, there's been one top dog all year, and the games have been chaotic, but they have found a way to stay perfect through this entire season. I hope they do it, but I'm going to take the Wildcats. Yeah. I think Kansas State wins the game. And uh, the same goes for the next conference, my friend. Absolutely. The Pac-12 championship, Utah, number 11 Utah, going to USC, who came in at number four in this week's ranking uh, on Tuesday night. The Trojans one went away from uh, confirming and cementing their spot in the college football playoff. Uh, the first Pac-12 team to make it since I think it was Oregon. Oregon a couple years ago was it 2017? Oregon? Uh no, I thought it was before that. Was it or was it even long? Man, it's been a while. We'll say that it's been a while since the Pac-12. I thought it was 15 or yeah. Um, so this would be big for the Pac-12. Uh, and look, it, in my my opinion. If USC wins this game, Caleb Williams is your Heisman. If USC wins this oh, game, yeah. Caleb Williams is the Heisman quarterback. Uh, he's the Heisman player. He wins that award. He's been the best player in college football this year. Uh, and, and you can make an argument for Bryce Young, too. And Bryce Young probably will be there. Uh, obviously, the reigning Heisman winner from last year. Uh, USC is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. And, look, this is an opportunity to avenge their one loss. This is a big, big-time chance for USC to come out and make a statement, say we belong. Utah's never a pushover. Utah lives for these moments. Utah lives for the moments to, you know, they might lose a game to, you know, Oregon State in the middle of the season or to Arizona State or Arizona or some team that they shouldn't be anywhere close to losing to. But then they always show out in big-time games and conference championships. They did it last year. That's why they played in the Rose Bowl. Um what a what game a, that was, too. It huh? was an awesome game. Yeah, the <laughs> Utah. I mean, who knows? We might end up with a Utah-Ohio State rematch in the Rose Bowl if USC were to win this game. I'm going to pick USC to win. I think USC does win. 
Uh, and I think they cover the two and a half. I think Caleb Williams has been too good. I think this is a cementing uh, of the season, cementing of Caleb Williams. And, and more importantly, it does validate Lincoln Riley's decision to go to USC. And, and for all the Oklahoma fans, and there were many, we had Chris Plank on this podcast in the, in the spring talking about this exact thing, right? Why everyone was so upset about Lincoln Riley and how excited everyone was, was about Brent Venables. There's a reason Lincoln Riley got the money he did. And there's a reason he went to a place like USC because he can recruit more Caleb Williams. He can put that fence up and keep all that California talent and, a trip to the college football playoff in his first year is going to do massive things for recruiting for USC. I think they win this game. I love Caleb Williams. He's a stud. I watched him play at Gonzaga high school in DC when he was a senior in high school, he was unreal. One of the best athletes I've ever seen in my life in person. And that was as an 18 year old, I'm taking USC and uh, the Trojans crack the playoffs for the first time. Hmm. <laughs> I know, yes, I know uh... where you're going, but. USC is peaking at the right time, aren't they? Uh, and they have utilized the transfer portal and, and real recruiting that Southern California talent. Uh, on the flip side, Utah's struggling with injuries, right? They're running back Tavion Thomas. He's got 1,100 yards this season, 21 touchdowns last year as well. Uh, he's out for the rest of the year. Uh, two of their best front seven defenders could be out for this game as well. Van Fillinger, he's got a team high five sacks. He might be out this game. Uh, we shall see. Um, I know he's done for the for the year, but Jonah Ellis might be in this game. Uh, uh, he's questionable uh, as one of the top two guys in the front seven for Utah. That would be a shame if uh, if USC shame. were to blow this game, huh? It right? Would be because a real shame. It'd be a real shame because Utah is so good uh, in games like this as you said uh i i just have a feeling that that the underdog is going to come out in this one the underdogs four and oh in the last four times that that these two teams have met uh and they play each other every year being in the same division in the in the pac 12 uh the utah utes are six and one in their last seven games after getting 450 yards or more in their previous game they're five and one in their last six after allowing less than 170 passing yards in this game as well. And without without of the running game for USC, I think they can kind of key in on Caleb Williams. I do agree with you that if Caleb Williams has a big game, this is a Heisman moment for him. But I think Utah's defense is good enough. Outright win for the Utah Utes. And what's funny but is this... Okay. I think USC stays in the... We'll, we'll get there. I think USC stays in the playoff, but an outright win for Utah to win the Pac-12. Well, they would have two losses. USC would they wouldn't put USC in with two losses over a high. Yeah, you're state. right. Oh, screw them. Get them out of here. Ah, we're redoing our top four. Here we go. Well, <laughs> and so here's the thing. It's just like on paper, it does line up perfectly for it to be that storybook Utah upset that always happens. The problem with that is Utah upsets are always when you don't expect them. Utah upsets are like Oregon's playing the best football in anybody in, 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 you know, west of the Mississippi right now. Of course, Oregon's going to come in and win this game and they find a way to pull it out, right? Like the fact that I feel like a lot of people are expecting Utah to win this game is what's driving me to take USC because I just. Uh, public money's on uh, on the Trojans, my friend. Oh, I'm not. I mean, I'm not saying necessarily public money one way or the other. I'm just saying like it just it makes sense. I don't know. I, I like I like the Trojans still. All right. So those are our picks for the conference championship. And with that, let's unveil our uh, top six 
in the college football playoff rankings. Scotty, who is your number one team in the college football playoff? Uh, Georgia dominates in the SEC championship and remains number one. I'm with you. Georgia wins. I, I took LSU. I do think it's going to be closer uh, than people think, but I, I think Georgia still wins and will retain the number one overall spot. Number two. Michigan. Michigan. I'm with you. Michigan's going to win this game against Purdue. I think they clobber Purdue, and uh, and I think they become the clear-cut number two. And then this is where things get a little bit weird. Yeah, it uh, does. Let's say, let's see, you go first, Scotty, here. The number three team in the college football playoff will be? Well, I told you, USC's losing, TCU's losing. That leaves the door wide open for the Ohio State Buckeyes to move into wow. the three spot. Wow. So you think TCU and USC are both losing outright? I do. And and that will open the way Ohio State jumps from number five to number three. USC wins their game. TCU loses. And USC jumps up to number three. I don't think the committee would be keen. I mean, look, obviously a, a Ohio State-Michigan rematch first round of the college World playoff would be epic. But I do feel like for whatever reason, the committee would be hesitant to do that. Obviously, if USC and TCU both both lose, I think there's a higher likelihood that that happens. Um, but I'll see it in the natty. I'd do it. Why not? All right. Uh, I think USC wins, and I think USC moves up to number three. I think Michigan, USC, uh, what would be the Rose Bowl, you know, 20, 30 years ago, hell, even, you know, 15 years ago, uh, is now going to be the college football playoff semifinal. Uh, and that leaves us with who do you have at number four, Scotty? USC knocked out of the top four with a loss. TCU knocked out of the top four with their loss to Kansas State. Don't care that you're 12-1. and one. You're not as good as the two loss. Alabama Crimson Tide find their way into the playoff. Wow. Alabama jumps up to number four. Yeah, the big two. A couple of Big Ten teams, a couple of SEC teams. How do you like that? The Big Ten and uh, SEC. Alabama would be the first two loss team to ever make the college football playoff. How appropriate uh, I would be <laughs> in the I last mean, look, year of the four. <laughs> it would be tough, right? Because it, it is kind of a perfect storm for that, where you have a team like TCU who would be 11 and one, but aren't a conference champion. Uh, and, and at that point, the only remaining one loss team in the power five would be TCU. So if it's not TCU, you would have a two loss USC team, a one loss TCU at 11 and one, and then a two loss Bama. Does the committee say that Bama with their two losses coming against Tennessee and LSU uh, is that good enough for them to, to justify putting uh, you know, Bama ahead, especially considering one of those games is in overtime and the other one was on a last minute field goal. Yeah, it will be I because think, uh, I think that would be the LSU game is going to be close. Yeah. If TCU and USC both lose, I think there's a very good chance we see Alabama in the college football playoff. Uh, I, however, have Georgia, Michigan, USC, TCU losing to Kansas State. And I hate to say it, but Ohio State leapfrogs the uh, the horn frogs there, unfortunately. No pun intended. Um, and Ohio State gets the four overall seed in the uh, college football playoff, setting up a Georgia, Ohio State, and Michigan, USC college football playoff. For the perfect combination of teams that deserve it, plus the teams that I think actually are the best teams in college football, I think those are the top four teams. 
uh, you could say George, you know, what would Bama and USC be on a neutral field? What would Vegas set the line at? It probably would be Bama, but Bama lost two games. Sorry, you lost two games. You gave up 50 points to Tennessee. You gave up 40 points to LSU. I, you don't deserve to be in the playoff in the way that it's currently constructed. Uh, whereas USC, they've done their business. And if they beat Utah here, it's impossible to argue against. Uh, and USC has a better record, plus would have the conference championship, even though they have the same win uh, that Ohio State does against Notre Dame, even though it's not quite the same win. Both of them played Notre Dame. Uh, so, But Ohio State would be the next in line. I think Ohio State jumps in at number four. Uh, and then number five for you, Scotty? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna slide TC uh, USC in there USC at number USC five. drops to five. I have TCU at number five on the outside looking in. Um, I hope again. I hope that doesn't happen. I honestly I would love for USC and TCU to both win their games and to just go in with the four teams there. But an Ohio State Georgia first round matchup, God, that would be awesome. Uh, and then I have uh, I would then have Alabama at number six, uh, staying the same. Uh, where we, and then you would have TCU dropping the number six. TCU at six, yeah, and then seven and eight hold firm. All right. So to recap, Scotty has Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and Alabama in the top four. We have Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State. That would be fucking epic of a college football playoff, let me tell you. Uh, and then USC and TCU at five and six. I have Georgia, Michigan, USC, and Ohio State. In the top four, giving us UGA and Ohio State going up uh, against one another in one semifinal and Michigan and USC playing against each other uh, in the two three matchup with TCU and Alabama on the outside looking in. I'll say this, though, the Michigan USC matchup reminds me a lot of the year that uh, who was Oklahoma played Georgia in the Rose Bowl. And it was the Baker Mayfield year and Baker was the best quarterback in college football. And that game went into overtime before Georgia went and then lost to uh, Alabama in the national championship game on the Tua throw. That game was epic. That game was so, so good in the Rose Bowl. And I would get similar vibes of Michigan and uh, versus USC. I think we would have very similar vibes to that game as we did from Georgia and uh, Oklahoma that year. Cause it's the same thing, right? It's the little brother in the big 10, just like Georgia was the little brother in the sec in the sec at that time. Uh, they're in the playoff and they're going up against a team like Oklahoma that's like, hey, Oklahoma's not as talented, but they have the best player. USC, not as talented of a roster, but they have the best player. I would also say that in that matchup, the best offensive weapon on the field would go to USC, non-quarterback weapon, at least with Jordan Attenson, uh, who's who's a stud at wide receiver. Uh, Ohio State UG, and, and Georgia would be also be an epic because I said it at the beginning of the year and I still believe yeah. this. I think Ohio State is the team with the best chance to beat Georgia, um, them or Bama. And and I would love to see that game. And I, then, I would love to see those receivers at Ohio State up against the the secondary of Georgia. Yeah, it, it would be I mean, awesome. That would be electric. The, the Ohio State offensive line too. The Ohio State offensive line is really good, uh, and I think that would be a fun matchup. But uh, either way, it would suck to see TCU on the outside looking in. But I feel confident that if the top four that I picked, those are the top four in terms of combination of deserving and best four teams. Uh, and and I would say for your side too, if we get. Georgia and Pama and Michigan, Ohio State in the college football playoff. Holy ratings, Batman. That would be fucking insane. So uh, <laughs> we will uh, we will see the uh, conference championship games this weekend. The uh, ESPN selection show will be Sunday night. 
and uh, everyone get ready because the college football playoff will be here before you know it. Uh, I hope everybody has a wonderful weekend. Thank you so much for listening as always. Uh, Scotty, thank you for hopping on. Great pod today. Everyone be well. Have a fun weekend. Enjoy the football. Saturday is going to be loaded. And I'd say December football. (laughs) And I'd say this too on paper. I think this is the best NFL weekend we've had so far this year. So uh, sports wise, this is looking like the best sports football combination weekend we've had in a long time. So enjoy it. Get it all over yourselves. As my old friend Mark Packer used to say, and as always, take it easy, everybody. Peace.